0: Welcome to The Bolt, the official podcast of Trinity Basin Preparatory, a charter school in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, where we share interesting stories and strategies from across our district.
1: I'm Ryan Kayser. With me, as always, is Mr. Trey.
0: Hang on a minute. Now, wait a minute. That sounds different. You're not, Connor. Ryan Kayser, what are you doing here? (laughs)
1: <laughs> Wait, I didn't fool you?
0: No, no, it was nice. You know, your dead giveaway was your name. Um, so spoiler alert, listeners, we have a new special guest host for this week. Uh, I couldn't be more thrilled to to have you on board. Uh, welcome, Ryan Kayser, friend of the show, past guest tw- two times over, maybe two and a half. You told a story on another episode, podcast aficionado, principal of our Panola campus. Uh, Ryan Kayser, welcome. Thank you for doing this
1: yeah no i'm i'm excited to be here i do feel like you've 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 opened a gate that you can't close though just so you know
0: yeah connor's not getting his job back are you kidding (laughs) me (laughs) so do you want to throw connor under the bus or should i as to why he's not here should we shame him so he can Um, listen to this later
1: you know uh i don't have a bus on me so i think i'm gonna i'm gonna throw it back to you
0: please okay so connor we have been trying to so today's episode is about mindfulness um, and ironically, um, Connor took this uh time to focus on his body. So um we we have been trying to schedule this interview with with uh, our guest today is Miss Lisa Romo from the UN campus, um, for for a few weeks now. And Connor, we finally got it nailed down and we said we're gonna do it Wednesday at four o'clock. Nothing's gonna get in our way. And our good buddy Connor responded with, I'm actually, I have an appointment at the gym now. I didn't know what those words in that order meant, appointment, Jim, confused. Um, But uh, he said, he responded to the email, didn't ask me, but said, Trey, you're going to do this on your own, and you're going to do a great job. And I said, not so fast, Connor Rogers. Um, So I, in secret, reached out to you and said, please help me. In
1: in secret. (laughs) It was a covert operation. It really was. covert email.
0: (laughs) I said, please, please help me. And I wasn't sure if you were going to be able to do it because I figure I don't I didn't know if this was maybe a principal gym day that you all went at the same time on the same day. I didn't know. Um, But you were gracious, gracious enough to to say yes. Uh, So thank you again for being here.
1: No, I'm happy to be here. Uh, Sometimes my husband and I will talk about, you know, what was the best part of your day? And I came in the door and I immediately I didn't even let him (laughs) ask me. I just said best part of my day. (laughs) <laughs> Trey has asked me to co-host the vault, <laughs> and I'm pretty sure we hugged and we we laughed, and I was very cried. excited. I, yeah, <laughs>
0: <laughs> we called our families.
1: <laughs> yep, I sent it in both of our family chats. That's you know, great. Was very proud.
0: <laughs> well, that's that's awesome. Um, yeah, so today's guest, like I said earlier, um, uh, is Miss Lisa Romo. She's the IC at the Ewing campus. Um, she actually reached out to us a couple of months ago to me and Connor, um, and and wanted to talk about mindfulness and connor immediately said that sounds like a great podcast topic what does that mean what is mindfulness um and she she sent back this this email um with you know some details some things you want to talk about it we said we've we've got a perfect guest uh, for our podcast no doubt uh let's get her booked and so that process started um so today we're going to talk to her about um mindfulness what that means what it looks like uh, for teachers for for parents for students for people like me who are Outside of their mind, out of their mind. Um, and uh, and we've got another resource-heavy episode. Um, we're going to have a lot of links in the description, so make sure that you, you look for those. Um, uh, things to click and, and read and watch and view. A, a Netflix show that I get to watch, which is awesome. Awesome. Um, so uh, anything you'd like to, to say before we get started?
1: I'll just say that if you think mindfulness isn't for you, then you should probably stick around and listen. 100%. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, let's get into it. Um, here is Lisa Roma. So today we would like to uh, welcome to the Bolt Podcast uh, an instructional coach at our Ewing campus, Miss Lisa Romo. How are you doing today?
2: Hey, I'm great. Thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely. Um, so I, I kind of explained your title, but what does your role look like at TBP?
2: So this year at TBP, I serve as an instructional coach for a pre-K through fourth grade campus, as everyone knows, is Ewing, just outside of Dallas. We're a beautiful campus, and I work with all of the teachers in reading, math, science, social studies across all, all content areas, and then I also work with them with respect to social-emotional wellness, so we've set up kind of a an SEL room where they can come and have their kumbaya moment, turn the lights out, uh, turn the music on or turn the essential oils on. We also have rabbits and hedgehogs and chinchillas and things that they can come and hang out with. Oh, my. And just have yeah. a moment away so they can uh, regroup and get back to our kiddos.
1: It sounds like a menagerie. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah.
2: It's a lot of fun. We have teachers all the time walk by. And if there's a meeting in here, they, they look and go, darn, because they want to come in and hang out.
0: So who's the lucky one that gets to clean up after the rabbits and the hedgehogs? And-
2: I would be the lucky one there. <laughs> ah,
0: ah, wow. Was that in the job a description? Head when you-
2: <laughs> okay. I breed hedgehogs, so I have different oh. ones come in and different ones do different things, have different personalities just like we do, but they I try wow. to match them up with the teachers and we have a great time.
1: Very cool. Um, all right. So why don't you just talk, talk to us a little bit about how you got into the instructional coach role um, and, and what motivates you to do that to do that job? I started as an instructional
2: coach a few years back in another school district. I'd been teaching for several years with a focus on math and science, really math, science, and engineering. I worked at STEM campuses and environmental science campuses and decided to, uh, to take a step out and to be able to train people to do what I did in the area of STEM. And then it kind of blossomed from there. I was able to learn more about all the other content areas and begin coaching those content areas as well.
1: So, how did you get into how did you get into mindfulness? And you mentioned social and emotional learning. We can talk about the hedgehogs later, but uh, but what brought you to mindfulness and that social emotional piece?
2: So that would be a, a personal story. Uh, I have four kiddos, uh, two of which have some behavioral issues, and you know a lot of the things we do come from our personal experiences. So helping them through the years has been a real challenge for them and for me to help put them on the right path. So a few years ago, I stumbled upon Sean Fargo, who is a, I consider him a mindfulness guru and my blood pressure was high, I was having panic attacks. I was not healthy at all. And I got into his training and started his training and then started my practice a few years back, made so many changes in my life. I was mentally strong, emotionally, physically, everything just improved. Not overnight. It did take some time, but then I was able to start sharing those strategies with my teachers. So it was impacting teachers and impacting classrooms in the district I worked with prior to TBP, and the work I'm trying to start here at TBP to educate people on what mindfulness can do for them as well.
1: Great. Uh, awesome. Mindfulness. Mindfulness sometimes conjures pictures of like weird yoga poses, and you even said the word "kumbaya" before. <laughs> I, you know, I'm saying it now. Um, but but what is it really?
2: Really, we can all be mindful. We're being mindful right now because if we're all breathing, we all have the ability to be mindful. And from a mindfulness aspect, it's to clear your head of all of the clutter and all of the chaos that's going on during the day. And so when we are mindful, we're just taking a minute to either have a breathing exercise, a settle in exercise, could be focusing on something specific, could be breathing in good words, breathing out the bad words or or feelings and emotions, just understanding that we have to have negative feelings and emotions in order to have positive ones. So it's not good or bad. It's just breathing and existing in a space at the present moment without any judgment.
0: So I used to have a feature on my watch that would stop me and remind me to take time to breathe. And I turned that off. You're telling me I need to turn that back on.
2: I'm telling so you, turn it back on. I just got gotcha. my daughter, who's 20, a new. Uh, I, I bought her watch, and she was amazed and said, "Mom, how does my watch know I need to breathe?" <laughs> I said, "Yeah, you know, I'm watching after you, and so is the watch. So breathe when it tells you to." <laughs> uh,
1: you mentioned your mindful, your mindfulness practice. When you say that, uh, what are some what are some strategies or some practices that you do to be more mindful in your life?
2: To begin with, I was like most everyone else, oh, you think you want me to take time to do this? I don't have time, I'm too busy. And I am a very busy person. I have multiple jobs and do have multiple roles, do multiple things. But my practice starts in the morning before I put my feet on the floor. I sit up in the morning and do my three threes. And the three threes are really, I sit up and think about three things that I'm grateful for. I use three I am statements. And then I use three, Trey will appreciate this, power moves. So the three huh. power moves, <laughs> everything happens before I hit the floor. And once I place that gratitude upon myself and give myself grace for the day before I even begin, I end the day the same way. And I end with breathing as well. In the classroom, it's really, really simple. And I've got some great resources to put out there for our teachers at TBP and beyond. The In the classroom, it's just the first minute first three minutes first five minutes whatever is necessary it can really change the demeanor of the whole classroom if kids didn't eat breakfast or if they've come in and they're coming in off of a a fight with a sibling or a fight with a parent or maybe there was a fight the night before and the body keeps the score maybe they don't know what's going on in their body the next day when the teachers take between one and three minutes at the beginning of the class period to do a quick breathing routine it lowers the blood pressure of the kids and it gets the teachers, gives them an opportunity to lower their blood pressure and get ready to facilitate instruction for that day. So they're ready to teach and the children are ready to receive.
1: All right, great. Um, now you're, you're talking about mindfulness and I think one of the things that I think of when I hear you talk about it is, is sort of like a self-awareness piece too. How are those two concepts related or, or are they the same thing?
2: Self-awareness is a big part of it. Since, like I pointed out, we're all breathing, so we all have the ability to be mindful, but we don't always take time to be self-aware and self-reflective. And we ask our teachers to do that, but we should do that as parents, as friends. We should always want to be better today than we were yesterday, better tomorrow than today, and have that growth mindset. So being self-aware is a key part of not only our practice as teachers, but our practice as parents and in other walks of life.
0: How does this relate to, or are they related, or is this a Venn diagram thing with with meditation? Are we kind of talking about the the same thing, or is meditation more of a physical
2: thing? Meditation can be a physical thing, like the the practice of yoga. If you're working on yoga poses, you're doing certain things and you're focusing on the pose at the time. You're not focusing on the pain or the muscle that it's attached to or, or what it's doing for you necessarily. You're focused on Can I hold this pose long enough until they change it without falling? But meditation is is pretty similar to mindfulness in that it's just focusing on the present moment without judging yourself, which we're terrible. We do that to ourselves and don't give ourselves grace. But it's just taking a moment for yourself to breathe, be aware of your surroundings, be aware of who you are, and that you're okay, that it's okay to not be perfect, that saying that it's okay to not be okay. It's exactly true, and we're all different, and we all make mistakes, and it's just having a forgiveness of self. And if we are learn, we learn to forgive ourselves and love ourselves, then we're able to forgive and love others.
1: So I I have tried meditation. I I read a lot of books, a lot of books on self awareness, especially this year. Um, But I think I am also an Enneagram one, which means that I am always striving for perfection, and I know that this is true of a lot of our teachers because I have a lot of other ones on my campus, but. Um, and we we always want to make sure we're doing things right. And I think that's very much a teacher quality too. Like, am I doing this the way that I'm supposed to be doing? So can you do mindfulness wrong?
2: I'm glad you asked. That's the, the beauty of anything that we do. There are so many different ways to do anything we do with respect to teaching, but the perfectionists in ourselves, it, it is difficult. And Trey, this is where we can sing for Ryan, let it go. Let it go. We need to let her let
1: it go. Uh, When I say, though, I recently in a meeting, uh, Leslie Austin asked, like, what's a character that that you identify with from a movie? And I immediately thought of Elsa. And I was like, I can't say I'm like a queen from a Disney movie. It's really just because my sister told me I was an ice queen once. And. And so now I'm like trying, I'm trying to be self-aware and mindful of whether or not that is true about me, but I will try to let it go. I'm sorry, Lisa, I interrupted you. Well, when I was asked about that same question, I chose
2: peppermint. And then I thought, should I really say that aloud? I'm not like a, a, a killer or anything, <laughs> but <laughs> it was the, it was the strong female aspect of it, mm-hmm. but you can't do it wrong. When I invite students to participate, sometimes students will sit on their desk, crisscross applesauce, the young ones, sometimes the older ones want to lay flat. There's something called ASMR for the teenagers that they absolutely love and wants that to be a part of their day. It calms them. It sends chills up the back of their neck and they love the feeling. So many teenagers today say, you know, they don't feel anything at all. They've got to do something. And sometimes self-harm comes in the way and to combat that ASMR is one of the things that we can do. So mindfulness helps all sorts of emotional things that are going on and physical things that are going on in our bodies.
1: I wanna throw this to Trey and see, because he's our he's our tech guy. And I feel like ASMR is something that I always hear of related to like YouTube videos. Trey, do you know what ASMR is?
0: I do because of YouTube videos and you know my foray into Instagram last year. Um, yes, I do. I don't know that I quite understand it or get it, but I know that it's a thing and that people are really into it.
1: So for anybody who's listening, who doesn't know what ASMR is, the best definition I have, and Lisa or Trey, if you have a better definition, is really it's this, it's a very, it's how things sound, um, but in a very specific sort of way. And it creates, like Lisa was talking about, sort of a, a sensation, right? Like a feeling of some kind. Um, I have a I have a 13-year-old niece, and she gets the the letters wrong all the time. The first time she talked to me about ASMR, it took forever, because she was like, <laughs> uh, you end something. And I was like, I don't. I feel like I'm connected to teenagers, but apparently not because I don't know what you mean, but it was, it was ASMR so okay. Um, Well that kind of leads me because you mentioned you know students sitting on desks or you know being in different spaces, what are some of the in terms of like physical space because you guys have an SEL room at Ewing. um, What are some of the must haves or the must do's that you should have uh, in your classroom to support those mindfulness practices.
2: Again there's really no right or wrong, but one of the best classrooms that I've seen in a in a prior district had a table at the back and the teacher called it her peace table. So when there was conflict in the classroom, either student to teacher to student or student to student, they would it would be addressed at the conflict table and it might be that the student was writing a reflection about what happened, what they did and what they could do differently, owning their own behavior and then discussing it either with their peer or with the teacher. Another one had a reading area with just lights that were dimmed and had essential oils in a corner. So it really depends. You can personalize it and make it what you want it to be. Here, I didn't know the teachers because I was new to TBP, so I wanted to bring all the aspects at once. And now that I know the teachers, I know the ones that want to come in and play with the rabbit and hug the, the therapy buddy. And I know the ones that want the hedgehogs. And I know the ones that say, where are the oils? I need the oils. But to begin with I didn't so I just brought it all to be able to service everyone.
1: So I just want to state for the record, as a principal, that if there's a teacher listening to this that uh, an SEL room or a mindfulness room or mindfulness practice in your classroom does not have to include a chinchilla I don't need to go out <laughs> get a bunch of hedgehogs for for the Panola campus right you don't, but I have them ready for you. <laughs> okay, I know who to call. I've got a hedgehog, hedgehog hookup. That's hard to say now. Yeah, yeah, you're going to you're going to
0: start getting a lot of strange requisitions submitted your way like uh
1: I can see it now. Yeah. I can see it now. Okay, good to know. Good to know. So why do you think why do you think Schools are adopting practices like this. I think you know mindfulness gets wrapped up into social emotional learning a ton. We've adopted conscious dis- discipline practices at at Trinity Basin, but but why now and why why is there a push for for classrooms and campuses to to do my mi- to be mindful?
2: So the UK has been doing several studies, and this is part of my doctoral work. But the the UK has been doing studies in elementary schools all throughout their elementary schools, they're seeing improvement in student achievement. And the numbers are going down with respect to uh, discipline. So the study, it took about 400, there's 400 schools across the UK that participated in the study. And overall, it was an overwhelming difference in cognition when they were allowed to be mindful at the beginning of every class period. They took the first 10 minutes of every class period to simply breathe using different means. So it wasn't the same every day, but when a teacher didn't do it that day, the kids actually called them out and said, Hey, wait, we haven't breathed. We're not ready to learn. We couldn't do it. (laughs) Even the the prior district that I worked with, I did have third graders to say, you know what, she forgot to do it. And we were, our teacher forgot to do it. And we reminded her that we have to breathe before we can learn. So it's, it's interesting that, you know, we talk about inspecting what we expect. And when we do certain things, the kids will do certain things as well. So we have to be on our best behavior and, and live it and breathe it first in order for it to get through to our children
1: i do think that it's important that teachers really have to set that up in their classroom or just like you know if you're a regular human and you're trying to do this you do have to sort of build stamina up to that because i remember i went to a conference once and we started with seven minutes of meditation and i was not a person at the time who did meditation and i could tell there were a lot of other folks uh, <laughs> yeah. who were also and i will not name names um at least not on air of like who do awesome, not, they don't do meditation. And uh, we're just kind of looking around like what are we supposed to do? And it was just, and it was exactly like what you're talking about, Lisa, of the breathing and just taking a minute to just sort of settle in and, and get ready for learning. Um, but there, but can you talk to us a little bit about how to, how to build up or what that looks like either for the classroom or just even as a person?
2: How to create that norm. It is awkward yeah. when you're, we're not accustomed to doing that. We're accustomed to go, go, go. What can you throw at me and what ball can I catch next? and just putting out fires and solving problems, but we tend to forget about ourselves in that process. So it does take a little bit at a time, and that's why I started it in the mornings before I ever get up. I just give myself that time because we're worth it, and once the day starts, we don't ever know what's going to hit us. So we can't say, I'm going to be mindful at this time and that time. It's really just a skill to acquire over time to use whenever you need it so you don't have those panic attacks and you don't have those blood pressure spikes and you don't have to take medications that you actually have control over because the brain is a powerful thing and can control quite a bit when we know what to do. And
0: I think Miss Kayser, I would be standing right next to you going, I don't know what to do in this uh, meditation situation. So I, I I have a tendency to maybe the opposite of mindfulness or get in my own head and get in my own way. Um, I've thought about meditation for years but I can't just, it just seems different and strange to me. Is there something aside from breathing, we've already talked about breathing. Is there something that me completely new to this, someone who does not take care of myself in my mind or maybe elsewhere, um, is there something simple that I can start, you know, in a daily routine that'll kind of get me in the habit of maybe taking myself out of myself, if that makes sense.
2: Do you watch Netflix at all?
0: I do. That I can do.
2: On Netflix, I want you to search Headspace. And Headspace, when you watch it through Netflix, when you're flipping around, you know, trying to find something to watch or in between if you're binge watching something, just take time out to watch Headspace before you go to bed. And it's a great way, they walk you through, it's a guided meditation and mindful opportunity. So they will walk you through exactly what to do. You can, you know, if everybody else in your house doesn't wanna listen to it, you can just plug into it yourself and you'll be amazed at how calm how calm it makes you. It calms your spirit before you go to bed. So it's it's definitely an easy one if you're a Netflix kind of guy.
0: Is this a daily or a weekly or how, how regular regularly should I be?
2: You can definitely do it daily. You can do the same okay. one. It's all, that's why you can't do it wrong. Everyone needs something different. So you may want to do the same one. So it becomes if you're a routine person and you want to do the same thing every day. If you're like me and you want something different all the time, then there are different things you can do. I have a device called Core that you hold in your hands. And I have an app that goes with it. And so it's a guided meditation through the app and the device vibrates and the vibration tells you when to breathe in and when to breathe out. So it teaches you like uh, the breathing that the Navy Seals do. It teaches you all different aspects of breathing. I didn't know, I just know I was breathing, that I was alive. I didn't know there were so many aspects to breathing until I got that device. And then the other one I have is a headband made by Muse Uh, shout out to Muse what it does you guys would really like it when you put the headband on there's a major storm going on and you hear through the app there's a storm and the the idea is that you calm your brain you get to a space in your own head that you get down to a babbling brook so you get to really see how powerful your brain is when you have this device on your head it is a headband that wraps around the front and all the way around you get to see through your breathing and through your ability to meditate and be mindful exactly what it takes. And the idea over time is training, just like we train our students. And we train when like one Connor is out today being at the gym, when we're training our bodies, (laughs) we train our minds to do the same thing with this device to get down to that babbling brook. And once we know what that feels like, that's where we want to stay. So with this
1: headband, (laughs) <laughs> is it sense? I know. because I, I, have,
0: am, I have so many questions. I have so many, so
1: many <laughs> questions about this headband. Because is the headband this feels very sci-fi to me. Uh, is this headband like sensing something in you or like taking some sort of diagnostic so that it knows that it knows that you're you're a storm inside your head and you're not a babbling brick? So it knows it's the brain, it's how the brain works. The
2: same way that Trey's watch that he's gonna turn back on to tell him when mm-hmm. to breathe. Yep, it, mm-hmm. <laughs> do that right now. So it senses your, your blood pressure, well, not your blood pressure, but your heart rate. So mm-hmm. it senses that. So when it senses that it keeps diagnostics on your brain is doing circles right now. And when you start to breathe and calm your brain down, that's how you get down to that place of, of rest And then once you've trained your brain to do that, you don't need the device anymore. Like we talk about in education with a a problem-solving work mat. If you're a master at problem-solving and you can think through those things, you no longer need that mat. So it would be the same thing for the devices. But I still keep them around because I put them on my children. I put them on teachers. I have them. um, I've actually shared the core device with Mr. Carrillo. So he's had the experience of the core device as well and said, wow, you know, this is really good when something guides you with how to breathe when it seems so simple to breathe, but it's not so simple when you try to do it on your own and do it in a certain way.
1: Yeah. Well, you mentioned mindfulness is, is making sure that you're not judging, you know, there's not that judgment piece. Um, and I have been trying to actually be more mindful and I've, and I've introduced meditating and trying, I've tried to be really intentional about meditating consistently this year and, Uh, and I definitely meditate. I actually use the Headspace app and shout out to Headspace, not a sponsor, but they, uh, but you can do guided meditations that last. And for me, there are days where I'm like, I can commit 10 minutes to this because, you know, it's a Saturday or honestly during spring break, I'm probably going to work through some longer ones. But uh, in the morning, when I do it before work, I can commit three minutes to this. I can commit five minutes to this. Uh, But there are so many times when I'm doing it and it is guided, which is nice because it's, you know, talking, you know, about your senses and, and trying to make you focus on things other than your thoughts. But I would be very nervous to put on that headband because I just feel like I would hear the storm. And be like, I can't make it go, get quiet. It won't just be a babbling brook. I just need to be a babbling brook. I think it would stress me out a little bit. But I do think it's interesting to, to see what it takes to get there too. Right. Like I think that's the, the when you tap into
2: that, that power, that's when you'll be amazed and you won't want to take it off because once you, once you feel it coming down and you recognize the power of the brain, the neuroplasticity that goes on and the changes that happen through your mindful actions that you're working on, you won't want to take it off because you're going to want to see, Oh, am I at the babbling brook? Cause I'm feeling kind of out of it right now. I'm feeling kind of, kind of agitated or whatever may be going on and you put it on and yep, I sure am. It recognizes too and senses it. It's just kind of a challenge to me to put it on and get to that space to be able to continue on. So I'm giving my full self to the teachers that I'm working with and to the students that I'm pulling. And I'm not in a place of chaos myself.
0: Mm-hmm. That sounds great. So, I, I'm I'm excited because you, you looped in technology and really all you have to say to get me on board with something is that there's an app for it. There's an app for that, right? So, um,
2: so there's two different apps, the app and the Muse app that you can check out. But for those that are not tech savvy the uh, amazon even has the there are tongue steel drums and i have a steel drum that the same way it creates music or you can use a woodstock chime if you think i don't have time in the morning and you go on and order a woodstock chime from amazon and you tap the chime the idea is that you only focus on the sound of the chime until you can't hear it anymore and if you want to test it out you can take your blood pressure before or take your heart rate before Take your heart right after to see just focusing on that one thing, how much power it releases in your brain, opening it up to be able to be accepting of other things.
0: So if you don't have time, you have chime. Okay. Uh. <laughs>
1: Love it. Love it. Uh you mentioned the you mentioned neuroplasticity, which I think is an it that's we're gonna get real deep and probably real nerdy real fast, and I'm okay with that. I think Trey's here for it. 100%. Um, at least we're gonna we're gonna drag him along with us. But uh, last year on our campus, we read we did a book study um, on this book, The Deepest Well, and it talks a lot about uh, kids with trauma or just individuals with trauma and the trauma that they're living with. What are what are the benefits for you know a student with trauma or a person who's experienced trauma to adopt these mindfulness practices?
2: So I like that book as well. And there's also another book called The Body Keeps the Score. And in the same realm, it helps you to understand why a student may be fine one day and not the next because the body does catch up and keeps the score with what's going on in your mind. So the benefit is dialectical behavioral therapy that I take take charge of here with some of the kids that I give their breaks. They come in and there are different activities that we do. Breathing is always one of them to get them to calm down a bit. Uh, Distraction is another one to put them back in their own space for a moment. And then I revisit with them what's going on, and they're more willing to open up. You can't ever approach a child that's experienced trauma. You can't ever approach them directly. You have to build a relationship with them first. And some of the dialectical behavioral techniques that come along with mindfulness that we can train teachers with, You don't have to be a formalized therapist to do it. We can train teachers in this area to be able to do those things in the classroom so they can keep those kids in the classroom and learning instead of... Putting them out to you know to an assistant principal or taking them out to those breaks. Pretty soon, those kids don't want the breaks anymore. They want to be with those teachers because they love them. Mm-hmm.
0: I usually play the the role of the of the um, the dumb guy um, or maybe the person who isn't familiar with these terms uh, because I'm not in the educational world. Can you explain? I, and we may even need a like a glossary for this uh, this episode because I'm not super familiar with social emotional learning. You just said dialectical behavioral therapy. Ms. Kayser, I think I heard you say something about hypothermic elliptical or something. I, I don't know. It was a big word that we just kind of cruised through. Um, can you explain what di- dialectical behavioral therapy is real quick for me, though?
2: Well, it's a type of therapy that teachers can use with students that focuses on the part of the brain. The back part of the brain, there's there's trauma, and then there's the front part of the brain that can take care of what makes sense to you. So a lot of times if things get if things get out of whack and they shift places, the kids don't know how to get them back. So through those therapy measures, it could be just an activity. One that I have here is something that looks, here we are, this simple. And it's what is something you are grateful to have learned? So the act of touching, it's using all of the senses at one time, sensory-based things. It could be questioning. There's so many things in here that I can show you guys that I just use with the kids to bring them down 10 notches in order to talk to them about the root of the problem instead of medicating, what meditation and mindfulness does is brings it down to be able to get to that root and then builds them back up to put them back to the classroom so they're prepared to learn. That's the easiest way to explain it.
1: So kind of similar in in theory to, or, to what we do with like crisis prevention, um, you know, and really, like you said, you can't come at the student, went well, not come at the student, but you know what I mean? You can't um, immediately try to solve the problem at hand with the student until they're sort of back at zero or or, or sort of leveled out and not in an emotional state anymore.
2: Same right? way with the teachers. When mm-hmm. you see the teachers yelling at the students, you know that the teachers are not at the level that they need to be. So oftentimes I'll talk to the teacher before I talk to the student to make sure that they understand we have to have ourselves together and be emotionally regulated before we can regulate anyone else's emotions.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that's just an important it's an important skill to learn, I think. So I, I'm glad to hear that our students are starting to get it too, because it's an important skill to have as just a regular human. I, mean, I know I have to use it sometimes when parents are upset, but yeah, I also use it in my my day to day life. If you know, not that my husband would ever get upset with me because I'm you know a perfect partner for him, I'm sure. But um, but it's always helpful for me to like stop in the moment and check my own emotion and make sure that if we're going to have a productive conversation, that you know we're both sort of at zero before we before we uh, can move forward, right? Definitely. Um Yeah. Okay. Uh, so if you could say, um, well, we're talking about about our students. What are mindful pra- mindfulness practices that parents can use? If there's you know just like a bucket list of a couple that you would say, you know, if you were going to do one thing at home or two things at home with your kids, this would really help to. To grow their mindfulness um, practice at home, what would you what would you recommend?
2: So Headspace is one. Since we have Netflix, the Class Dojo that they're all familiar with also has mm-hmm. SEL components that the students can work with at home. So if the if we send something home about SEL and the parents think I don't know what to do with him, I don't know how to support him, or he doesn't behave at home, he doesn't listen to me, ASMR is easily accessible for kids um, having Headspace available. There's a Stop, Breathe, Think app. There's an app called My Life. But Class Dojo would be the one that they're most familiar with our students because of the the connectivity between the teachers and home life that they can give those extensions to the parents. And it does come in English and Spanish. So they they can meditate either way.
1: What about for for teachers or for for parents? what are I know you mentioned your three three three. Are there a couple of other strategies that you would say that you know these are the ones that are um, maybe the easiest for a, for a newbie to 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 their mindfulness practice to implement?
2: Well one of the easiest ways is to incorporate a gratitude journal in your everyday life. If you're not a writer, you can become a writer in just two to three minutes a day writing down maybe if you're you get up and you're already frazzled and having a, a hard time, write down everything, all the good, the bad and the ugly, but always end with a sentence of something you're grateful for. And that activates a different part of the brain when you access gratitude and give yourself grace. So even if you're writing down two or three sentences, Ryan, if your husband's on your nerves and you're thinking he's on my nerves, it's just not working today, I'm not happy with him today, but you know what, I'm grateful to have it. And something that simple changes how your brain sees things. So you can look through a different lens for the day. Instead of going into the day being mad at him, thinking maybe by the time I get home, I'll be okay. if When you end with that note of gratitude, it's almost like an unspoken forgiveness that you give yourself and give to him. So you can move on with your day.
1: And I will say, Chad. Because I know he's going to listen to this. <laughs> you, I never feel that way about you. She loves Don't you. Don't worry about it. <laughs> uh, no, and I do think I do think that gratitude piece is huge, and I do think there's something to stopping and putting pen to paper. I know when I get really, you know, stressed out or anything, because I am trying to be more mindful and self-aware, I do stop sometimes. If especially if I'm just walking down the hallway and I just need to say it in my head, but there is something about putting pen to paper and really taking that two minutes. Minutes to to write it down that makes it more real than if I just say it in my head and move on because I just have to spend more time with it. Um, but does it also work if you type it in type it into something into a to an app on your phone for us for the techie folks like Please. Trey? I can he's yeah it does,
2: it does. <laughs> you can completely type it in. I do that with with the teachers that I serve. I always start out with something to give them good feedback about what I notice. Uh, Before I give the wondering, but then I also end with the gratitude piece and I get compliments on the feedback that I provide, even though it's instructionally sound. They always say you're so positive in the feedback that you give and we're so grateful for that because we feel like we're doing things right and there's a place to grow. And that's a good thing because those that have a growth mindset want to continue and be able to continue their practice and improving for not only themselves, but for our students.
1: And that kind of goes back to the word that I said, or the phrase that I said that Trey was like, I don't know what that is, something elliptical, neuroplasticity, uh, that's, that's essentially one. that, yeah, that's there the you one. go, <laughs> that's essentially what neuroplasticity is, is just a growth mindset, except it's the actual like synapses and connections happening in your brain, like it physically can happen. Uh, and so I'm just bringing that back. Fully. Trey, you
2: have dendrites, you have dendrites in your brain, you may not know. No,
1: but- I I have a
0: special shampoo, I took care of that. Or um, <laughs> can you?
2: In your brain, not on it.
0: Oh, okay. That sorry. black
2: shirt tray, sorry. Yeah. You have know, black shirt, we can see it. <laughs> but yeah, when the when the dendrites are firing, that's when you're making new connections with things, whether it's the content that we teach in the classroom every day or whether it's behavioral. So when you're making those behavioral and those academic connections, the dendrites, dendrites are firing. So you can knock them off your shoulder. Mm-hmm. They're firing, which is what helps your brain ready to receive a message.
0: You know, I've always thought there's a lot more going on up there than I I knew I was capable of so there's
2: so much if you tap into your potential man we're all going to be in trouble
0: oh yeah I I have no doubt I have no doubt
1: uh well you mentioned I'm going to kind of bring it back to the the front of the interview the beginning of the interview you mentioned I I really want to know because I have certain self-awareness people that I always turn to um when I just feel like I need something to kind of hold on to, uh, who do you, you mentioned? Sean Fargo is he sort of your mindfulness guru that you turn to, or books that you read, or, or things that you consume? To- He's
2: one. He is one, and then Dr. Alicia Goldstein is another one. She wrote a book called The Now Effect, and she gives us seven things that mindful people do differently. So I have it in. I know you guys can't see our restroom here in Room Two, but I even have things set up in the restroom. So when the teachers or anyone goes in the restroom and they're looking around, they can be filled with good things, filled with good things about what mindful people do. And like we talked about, not, not that it's a special group that can do it, that anyone can do it. Um, the seven things that she talks about are, the first thing is approaching everyday things with curiosity and savoring that curiosity. Forgiving mistakes, whether big or small. Showing gratitude for good moments and showing grace for bad ones, which we've talked about practicing compassion and nurturing connections, making peace with imperfection, Ryan. We have to make peace with that inside and out and know that that we are are created to be beautiful things. We have to embrace vulnerability by trusting others and ourselves, and we accept and appreciate that things come and go. So the biggest challenge for me too is making peace with that imperfection because we do wanna do things a certain way and letting go and realizing it's okay to not be okay.
1: We're all different, and that's what makes it makes the world a beautiful place. I had to read a whole book about imperfections <laughs> to learn that it was okay. It's called *The Gifts of Imperfection* by Brené Brown. She's she's my guru. Um, but but yeah, there's beauty in things being different, right? Uh, we don't want everything to be the same because if we did, then everyone would tell. Uh, dad jokes like Trey and Connor and you know we've got and to make sure that there's space something for wrong like with that. That? I don't know. <laughs> I'm saying, that I'm not saying there's anything wrong I'm just saying that you know you don't want me walking around making dad jokes because then what would yeah, you do what would your thing true. be
0: stay in your lane that's very true
1: Good
2: point. <laughs> humor stay is a lane. good
1: thing I, worked,
2: I once worked for an assistant principal and he did his dissertation on humor 100 plus pages just on humor so it it is a powerful thing and it does release a lot of uh, a lot of good things in your brain
1: even Only when it's you for imperfect, that. yes.
0: <laughs> I'm sure there's nothing more humorous than a hundred page dissertation. <laughs> Sounds hilarious.
1: <laughs> I'd read that book.
0: Oh, for sure, oh,
1: 100%. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think, Trey, do we have any other questions? like I, I think else.
0: that covers it Uh we'll get to our, our final four questions here in a second I will say it's been a while since we've had uh, I'm, I'm really excited about this one um, and Manola will have to help me when we go back and edit this and listen back um, it's been a while since we've had a uh, such a resource heavy episode so uh we'll try to link and, and and include all of these different resources uh these books these apps these links and everything um, in the description of the episode so if you're listening now Uh, they should be there, uh, as long as I've done my job right. Um, So be sure to check those out. Um, And now, yeah, we can move on to our final four questions. Um, And I will go ahead and kick things off by saying, if you, uh, if TBP were a fictional character or celebrity, who would it be and why?
2: So when I thought about that, I, I thought in all different directions, but what I, what I ended up with is Yoda, because he's a wise teacher, who's emotionally constant. And that's what we're striving to be in our leadership at TBP all the way through. We're trying to be emotionally constant and make wise decisions. Um, he tests Luke's patience. And I know that we test teachers all the time, just like they test the kiddos. And he knows how to keep you focused, Yoda does. He picks you up when you fail. His species is unknown. And we're always striving to be something different and better uh, better than, than other places. You know, We wanna be on the map and we seek to be the best charter that we can be and i think yoda would would be the one to do that
1: i'm i'm really disappointed that connor's not here to say something in yoda's <laughs> voice or in yoda's cadence <laughs> oh I'm thrilled. i feel like this is a real missed opportunity for him and um, i want to do him justice but I, I i just i'm i can't quite go there so um, well, i don't uh, want to botch it
0: yeah possible episode title from yoga to yoda
1: good for all oh, meditation oh,
0: yeah well, and we'll we'll we may have to have you back for our May the 4th episode. I think the way <laughs> these release, we're actually going to have a May the 4th episode. So we may have to get you back wow. for some, some Star Wars it. talk. Yeah, <laughs> Great answer, though. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome.
1: Yeah. Uh, what one thing would you uninvent and why? I think
2: I would probably, don't shoot me here, I would probably
1: uninvent the cell phone. Because
2: some things have uh, have been made easier with the cell phone but it's, we've lost our ability to communicate because of it. There's nothing uh, less satisfying, I guess, than when you go out to dinner and when you scan the restaurant, no one is talking to each other. All the heads are down. So, you know, the chiropractic clinics should be well, should be full of patients because the <laughs> neck is down and everyone is looking at their cell phone and no one is talking. So when we see emotional dysregulation today, that's I think that's a big part of it. They want immediate gratification because of the video games that we have. And that's not how life works. And then they don't know how to communicate effectively because they have, I have 500 friends. Oh, I didn't tell you 499 are virtual. And it's its just a different world that we live in now. And when you talk to them about their friendships, they're talking, kids are talking to people, you know, in foreign foreign countries, it's just unheard of. So I would probably take the cell phone back to, I would attach it back to the wall so I could sit underneath it and hide from my mom and whisper into the phone listening to see if she was going to pick up on the other
1: end. If we if we do that, we're going to have to add the telephone, the wall telephone back into the teaks. I'm pretty sure because actually a teacher emailed me this week with a story about her her classroom phone rang and she told one of her students to go answer it and say Miss Kelly's class and the child walked over to it and looked at it. <laughs> she said pick it up and she's like what do i do pick what and so she eventually did and she just like held it in front of her face she didn't put it up to her ear and she was like say hello now and she said hello <laughs> and she said put it put it up to your ear and, and she said hello and then the conversation ended or whatever and she said okay now hang it up and she said, does that mean I I put it back over here? Like she didn't know what to do with that thing at all. So we would have to definitely call Mike Morath, have a conversation with TEA, make sure that we put that back into the teaks because these babies are going to be lost if they have to use a real telephone for sure.
0: Most definitely. Yeah. I, I recently, <sighs> I hate to admit this, especially on podcasts, but I recently became a TikTok viewer. Um, uh-huh. I know, I know it's, content. I listen, I'm not proud of it. But anyway, <laughs> there's a video I've seen where it's like you want to feel old, ask a kid to uh you know, hold an imaginary phone up to their ear. And you know, cuz we would always do this, you know. This this means I'm on the phone. I'm on the phone. Um and now they they do this. And <laughs> it looks like it's just so like they're holding a sandwich up to their face or something. Yeah, Trey uh,
1: is miming being on a being on the phone. For, this is an audio, this audio, audio medium, podcast. isn't it? Yeah, yeah it's yeah. an audio medium. Hmm.
0: hmm. Okay. Yeah. Well, then you couldn't see the shame on my face admitting that I'm on TikTok. <laughs> Anywho, so um, I have bad news: aliens are invading Earth, but uh, and we have to evacuate to a different planet. So you get to take three albums that are going to be a part of New Earth. What three albums are you bringing?
2: I'm going to take Journey's Greatest Hits. Nice. I would take
0: really
2: nice. Queens Greatest Hits, and then I think I'm going to take Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Wow!
0: Really, really nice.
1: Yeah. That, can I? Can I also just want to because I listened to the Mr. Schaefer episode on the way into work this morning, um, and I feel like he cheated by choosing all these double albums. Yes. <laughs> so no. I appreciate that you kept it so concise. <laughs> this is
0: this is the loophole, and I've said this from the beginning. You're a fool if you don't bring greatest hits albums, because then oh, you're stuck Oh, no, I with, agree
1: with that, yeah. I mean, yeah. You have to. Because then you get those two songs that you you never heard, and you don't want- you don't yeah. You want yeah. on there. Well, then yeah. two of my mom's favorites were uh, South
2: Pacific and anything Barry Manilow. That's what we cleaned the house to, was Barry Manilow or or Wash That Man Right Out of My Hair with South Pacific. So <laughs> those would have to be some good ones to evoke good memories, too. Barry All right. Manilow, and- yeah.
1: The last one, and maybe Barry Manilow can help you with this one, I don't know. Uh, any, any general life advice?
2: Always make time for yourself. We don't in education ever make time for ourselves. We're taking care of others and that's how we our cups get empty. And if we don't leave ourselves, if we don't fill our own cups, no one else is gonna do it. So we're responsible at the end of the, at the end of the day for that. And if you're hungry for change and you don't know where to start, mindfulness is a great place to start. Um, From journaling to breathing to meditating to expanding your mindset. There's no wrong answer when it comes to what's best for you. You're the expert for you. So finding something that works for you, but you do, I can assure you, you do have time and you do have the ability to do it.
1: Well, and I, I will just add to that, you know, I mean, you mentioned the, one of the benefits to mindfulness is, you know, lowering your blood pressure, for example. And I, I am getting to a certain age where it's like, if I don't take care of myself now, it's going to be a lot harder as, uh, as I continue to have birthdays, because that's still a thing, uh, as we head into probably my second quarantine birthday. But, um, but if you don't do it now, then when? Right. And, and I do think that there is, you know, it might seem hard to give up five or 10 minutes, but uh, blood pressure affects a lot of things and, and, you know, your general health is so affected by stress. And if you want to read a book about that, Lisa and I apparently um, are (laughs) going to help with some links in this episode uh, that, that talk about how stress really affects your body. So if not now, then when?
2: Absolutely. If you don't take care of your body today, you're going to take care of it at at some point. So why not take care of it on the front end and do some things that have preventative measures versus taking care of it and spending money on the back end? Because insurance is not going to, uh, to do everything for you anyway. So why not invest in yourself with respect to nutrition, exercise, all the things that we know we need to do, but no one is going to take care
1: of your mind except you. So that's what it boils down to, making time for you. You're worth it. Yeah. And if somebody, if you're not taking care of yourself, then someone's going to have to take care of you. And then that's, that's no fun either.
2: So. Oh, and in my house, I don't want anyone taking care of me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, can the hedgehogs help with that? I don't know. Hedgehogs? I might let the hedgehogs are my therapy dog. I might, but with my kids, I don't want my kids to have to take care of me. I want to yeah. be able to be solid and take care of myself and take care of all of my creatures. Awesome.
0: Well, Ms. Romo, Lisa Romo, thank you so much uh, for, for joining us today. Um, you, you mentioned earlier, uh, Connor had to bail on this meeting. And I'm glad he did because you knocked it out of the park, Ms. Kayser. Um, but Connor had to uh, yes, had to make his gym appointment. And as I said in the email, uh, we've had to reschedule this meeting and this this podcast uh, several times. So I can only assume that Connor's going to the gym to, to learn to be as flexible as you have been while we've tried to get this taken care of. And I have no shame <laughs> making the same joke twice. If you think <laughs> I do, you're wrong, you're wrong. But thank you so much for joining us. This was great. Uh, I learned a lot. Um, definitely, listeners, check the links below. Um, and thanks again for being with us.
2: Thank you, Trey. Thank you, Ryan. Thanks, Lisa. Thank you
0: for listening to The Bolt Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at The Bolt Pod for episode updates or reach out to us at thebolt at As always, do more, expect more, and be more.
1: See, I listen to the podcast every time it comes out, but now I'm like, "What's the the intro am like? I don't know. <laughs>
0: so here's a funny little story. So I called Connor because he had a new teacher, a teacher that was going from long-term sub to full teacher or something. I called him to, to verify something. I called him on my desk phone here and just, oh, I'll just dial his extension. This is a luxury that I didn't used to have when he was all over the place. Yeah. And he picks up and he says, I'm Connor Rogers. With me as always is my co-host, <laughs> Mr. Trey. Trey, how are you doing today? I go, hey, Connor, how are you today? So that's the intro. And then he immediately said, wait, I'm not on speakerphone with like Manolo and Dylan and the whole IT group. I said, it's actually a board meeting. um, And I've got some (laughs) questions for you. No. They're doing a a check-in on how well you're doing as a principal.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I just want to hear from you. I'm Connor Rogers.
0: Yeah.